This episode is sponsored by True Blue Migration Services. Get a free visa assessment on their website today at truebluemigration.com. Whilst the UK has been suffering severe lockdown measures because of the coronavirus pandemic, our next guest has remarkably managed to move his family to the other side of the world. Hi, I'm Ross Johnston. I'm a YouTuber about life down under. I emigrated from the UK to Brisbane with my wife and two-year-old daughter in the middle of a global pandemic, and I can't wait to officially become a Australian. Okay, Ross, so you've had more than 30,000 views on your YouTube video about moving to Australia in the middle of a pandemic. But apparently you didn't know until, what, about an hour before you boarded the plane in England whether you'd even be able to fly? So originally, before coronavirus happened, I was going to fly out in the March time and I was going to fly ahead of my wife and my daughter and I was going to you know, try and find a job, try and set a house up, basically sort all of the living situation out. And then they were going to fly. We were going to book flights for them to fly in sort of the June or the July. Um, but then coronavirus happened after coronavirus kind of settled a little bit and we knew that because we have permanent residency, the borders were still open for us. In the sort of June, we decided, okay, let's book our flights now so that we can all go together instead. Because of the flight caps that were put in place, it got to the stage where we were getting bumped off lots and lots of flights. And my ticket with my daughter, ours was confirmed, but my wife's ticket wasn't confirmed. Wow. And I got to the stage where I said, well, if we're not going together, I'd rather um, just cancel everyone's flight. And if I can't get on, then I'd rather someone else who really needs to get the flight. I'd rather it go to someone else. But they said, sorry, sir, we can't cancel your ticket because your ticket is confirmed. I wouldn't know when my wife would be able to get across, let alone the additional costs of having to do double quarantine because I'd have to do it with my daughter and then she'd have to do it on her own. And it kept going on by the sort of the weekend because our flight originally was on on a Monday and it got to sort of Friday, Saturday. And I said, you know what's going to happen? We're going to have to turn up on Monday morning with our bags packed at Heathrow Airport. So we packed our bags on the Sunday. We were staying with my wife's father and stepmom. And we'd been staying there for about two months because we'd already sold uh, or were selling in the process of selling our house and had moved out. The whole kind of family or whoever was there anyway that could be with us during the COVID because of the lockdowns and stuff was like, are you actually going to fly on, on Monday? And I said, well, I don't know. But when we turned up to the airport, I said to my father-in-law, do you mind just doing a, a circuit of, of Heathrow or going to the local Maccas and just getting a coffee? Because within 15 minutes, I'm going to have an answer. You might need to come and you know, take us back. Went to the airport explained it to the to the guy on the service desk and he said you're not the first person that this has happened to i need to make some calls to doha i, I know who i need to speak to and we'll find out whether we can get you authorized because essentially it's it's up to the australian government to decide whether they're going to allow an additional person uh, on the flight uh, and at this stage heathrow was an absolute nightmare like people were crying oh. it wasn't necessarily australian people that were having issues with flights i remember there was a guy i think was trying to fly into china and his flight had been cancelled and the guy was just sobbing oh. next to me 
And I'm just sat there on this bench thinking, oh, mate, I hope I'm not going to be you in about five minutes when I get my decision. And then he just he just waved me over and said, no, it's all sorted. You can go. Oh, and great. I was a bit shocked. And my wife was shocked. And I had to ring my father-in-law and say, oh, can you come back? And he said, oh, d- did you not get on the flight? I said, no, no, we're on the flight. You need to come back and say goodbye to your daughter and your granddaughter. I said, I'm not, I can't be there because I have to check all of our stuff in because we then need to run to the gate. By this time, it's like, no, we need to go through now because otherwise we're going to miss the flight that we've now just managed to get on. So I never got to say goodbye to anyone. I just had to check in. I never even got to say goodbye to my dog. I just thought I was going to go to the airport and come back. All right. So you got to Brisbane and you were taken straight to a hotel to quarantine for 14 days. What was that like? It wasn't actually that bad. We got really lucky with our room and the quality of the food. We stayed, um, they took us to the Marriott in Brisbane. And actually, when we think about the whole experience and how much would it have cost us for accommodation in Australia for the first couple of weeks that we would have had to have paid for anyway, uh, we definitely wouldn't have been able to stay at the Marriott for the price that we ended up paying because it's all governmental prices. That must have been tough keeping a two-year-old entertained in a hotel room. How did you cope? We brought things with us knowing that we'd be stuck in a room for 14 days. So we brought as many toys as we could fit. We brought loads of snacks. We watched a lot of TV. So the cost of the hotel for you guys to stay for 14 nights was $3,700. That's around two grand in pounds. Dare I ask how much the flights cost you? I think my flight originally for one way, it was about £450. So we had that added on to my wife's and my daughter's flight. And then I think we had to pay about an extra £1,000 on top of that. So I reckon around about £1,400, £1,500 for all three of us. Fortunately, because we booked ours before the flight caps, we never had to pay any of the silly costs that the airlines were charging after they put in the flight caps. It's so interesting watching your videos showing the airports and all the empty seats on the planes. And it was so weird seeing Brisbane Airport so empty. There was no one there except for people in army or navy uniform. What was that for? With with guns as well. And it sounds it looks it's quite disconcerting. There's like 30 or 40 people get off this flight with all in masks, really, really tired. And there's guys in army uniform with guns at the other end kind of ushering you onto <laughs> onto buses. That is mad. So what made you come to Australia and why did you choose Brisbane? Okay, so why Australia? Because they pay teachers more and I was getting fed up in the UK with uh, the lifestyle that you have as a, as a teacher. So I, I've always wanted to move to Australia anyway because I, I liked the, the weather, the culture, the lifestyle and I had a, a moment when I just thought, you know what, what can I trade my three bedroom semi-detached house for in Australia? How much am I going to get paid as a teacher there? Uh, and I think with the 10 years of experience that I had in the UK, I'm essentially on the highest bracket for, for teachers. It equates to roughly about a £10,000 uh, pay increase on what I was getting paid in the UK, even as a, as a head of department. I don't even have all the extra responsibilities now, but I get paid about 25% more. And I, and I get to live in you know one of the most beautiful countries in the world with the weather that's superb. Our three-bedroom semi-detached house 
in the southeast of England now equates to a, a five bedroom detached house with a pool on an 800 square meter plot. I've got three living areas when before me, my wife and my daughter were kind of squeezed into one tiny little living room. Teachers are on the skills list. They want teachers. We really miss our friends. We really miss our family, but we've got Skype and we've got, well, hopefully once COVID finishes, they can all come here and they can all stay yes. in, our, in our home. And what do you teach, Ross? I teach uh, English now. Right. And what year group is that? Is that secondary school, is it? I teach secondary, but I actually teach a trade college now. So our students, they're year 11 and year 12. So they're just finishing their education. So how different are the schools over here? Are the facilities better? Yeah, I think on the whole, it's it's the same as in the UK in the sense that private schools are always going to have a bit more funding. State schools are always going to have a bit less. They're going to have more kids in a classroom. I decided to go for a private school here purely because in Queensland, if I wanted to teach in a state school again, there's a little bit less freedom. They kind of allocate you to a school rather than you choose exactly which one you want to go to, whereas independent schools have the ability to employ whoever they want. Um, Yeah, makes sense. And just going back to my previous question, why did you choose Brisbane? So when I had my little moment of what does my three-bedroom semi-detached trade in for, uh, I started with Sydney because my wife and I, we'd been to Australia before, we'd been to Sydney, we, we liked Sydney, but it just seemed that we couldn't afford anything above a, a two-bedroom apartment. And my wife was very adamant that if I was going to make her move to the other side of the world, it would be for an upgrade. So she had a list of everything that she wanted from a house and their two bedroom apartment would not tick a lot of boxes. We did the same for Melbourne, you know, thinking geographically about which are the biggest cities, where are going to the most job opportunities going to be. Again, in Melbourne, couldn't afford much more than a two bedroom apartment. And then third on the list was Brisbane. I was looking on realestate.com.au and all these like four bedroom houses with pools started popping up. So I was like, yep, I found the city that I think I'm going to be able to move to. (laughs) I like that. Good decision making process. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Logic. Just logic. (laughs) Very good. So you came over in September last year? Uh, Yeah, September the 13th. Maybe unlucky for some, but that was the one where we actually got our flight. Yeah. And then because of the crazy time differences we we left on the 13th and landed on the 15th yeah it's strange isn't it the whole time difference thing in the same country um yeah so when you got here it would have been the start of spring just coming out of winter mm-hmm. tell us what the temperature was like there in brisbane we landed at night it did feel a bit muggy and i think one of the days it was 30 degrees already like just coming into spring Every day after that, it just seemed to get into higher into the 30s. You notice the the humidity. And what's it like for your daughter? Do you think that there are better opportunities here for her? Absolutely. Um, in the UK, cost of childcare in the UK is crazy. We'd kind of have to foot the bill, really. And my wife would be essentially working just to pay for childcare for Aurora. But here, because of you know, things like childcare subsidy, I think it's about 70 something, nearly 80% coverage of the costs so to send her to daycare all day we only pay like 15 bucks which means that my wife can go and work she's not really working just to pay for childcare. she's actually working to generate an extra income for us but then aurora for 15 dollars then gets to you know play outside with loads of kids she's got i think the ratios are like four to one um they've got really really good indoor and outdoor facilities and we've seen in the last 
few months of her going to daycare, she's just, her vocabulary's come along. She talks like so much more. She's so much more active. She has the offer of lots of different fruits, vegetables and things like that. And then it's, it's $15. Unbelievable, isn't it? It's $15 for that. Like what's 15 bucks? You can't yeah. even, I went out for lunch today and I couldn't even, that was my lunch, 15 bucks, but she gets 10 hours of daycare and all of her food and nappies and everything provided. Oh, it's great that she's settled and she's starting her new life in Australia at such a young age. Just the outdoor lifestyle, that's what we wanted for her. And I didn't mind where we used to live, just outside Reading. But in Australia, you get barbecues, they're all free, all the parks are nice. You know, there's no glass or needles or horrible things in the park for kids to kind of pick up and find. So how close are you to the beach then? Well, I, I work up on the peninsula, which is really, well, it, the beach is there. I mean, sometimes we're actually allowed to take the kids to the beach on like free lessons if they've got no work to do. For me, if I wanted to drive, that would be, it's about 25, 35 minutes to work. So that's how long it would be to there. Down in Redcliffe, they've got like a, a lagoon area where kids can go swimming. I've got a friend that lives at Bribey, where there's a fantastic beach there. For us, that's about 45, 50 minutes. So is that a friend from home or somebody you've met since you've been out there? Yeah, yeah. Strangely enough, we were talking about moving over here at the same time. If you're going to move here, it helps if you do have friends or family or people close by, but it's not the be all and end all. We, we've made so many friends just from, from work, from where we live. Australians are so friendly. Where we used to live in the UK, we knew the people that lived next to us and we knew the people that lived over the road from us. Uh, and that was pretty much it. But since we've moved, we know all of our neighbours. I don't think there's, a, there's only one that we don't really know. It's the complete polar opposite. People really do take the time here to, to get to know you and genuinely want to be friendly. So you were saying about your jobs and Aurora's going to daycare and it's only $15 a day. Are you financially quite a bit better off over here then? Yes, we do have a lot more disposable income here just because of things like taxation i mean pensions in the uk you'd have to put money towards um, your pension they take it out of your uh, pay whereas here my employer now pays as much as what i was doing in the uk and yeah my, my wage is more my wife she she's had a few different careers actually we weren't sure what she was going to do here because our visa is obviously based upon my profession but she has qualifications in hair and beauty that's what she did when i met her and now she's, she works as a disability support worker the pay for that is in comparison to the uk she's on nearly double what she would have got doing that kind of work than she does here so oh that's great isn't it for people who are looking to make the big move to australia they tend to want to know what they should be bringing with them and what they should leave behind what did you bring and what would you recommend sell everything you do not need to bring anything we only brought uh, sentimental items, pictures, for some reason, my wife still has a wedding dress. Anything that is not sentimental, just sell it. Use that money then to set up your new life here. I came out here with just a rucksack full of clothes. And I actually, I also lived in Brisbane when I first got to Australia. And I just couldn't get over the wildlife there. Have you come across any scary spiders and have you seen your first kangaroo? Uh, yep, seen kangaroos. So where my friend lives on Bribey, when we go to visit him all the time, there's, there's kangaroo. He lives on, on a golf course. There's kangaroos on, on the greens, on the tee boxes as we drive through. My daughter loves 
sort of trying to spot a kangaroo. Um, we've seen possums. So we were at a friend's house, uh, one of our new neighbours. We'd literally, we'd moved in a day and then they invited us around for dinner the next day. So we sat in their garden and there's a possum just walking across the fence. We seem to get these same four kookaburras that come and sit on our fence. Thankfully, we haven't seen anything scary yet. I'm still cautious, though. Every time Aurora goes out in the garden, I always have a little sweep around and look. Oh, so the big question, do you think you'll stay in Australia forever? I'm really happy here. I'd like to think my wife is also really, really happy here. But for her, it's the friends and family that we've left behind. And especially during kind of COVID and not being able to leave the country or not having them able to visit us, it's a bit weird we don't really know yet how we feel about not being able to have that kind of physical contact with family it's good with the technology that we have now you know we we skype them really really regularly it seems like sometimes we actually we speak to them more than we did in the uk because we're now really really far away so it seems like we speak to them more and did you have jobs lined up before you got here no no nothing we literally came over with a suitcase and I found my job uh, whilst I was in quarantine. So that's one of the good things, I suppose, about quarantine is that you get a lot of free time to sit there and search through Seek and, and other job advert sites and try and find something. And I was I was really, really lucky and fortunate to find something. In the UK, if you go want to get a new job in teaching, they want to uh, interview you in person. They want to see you teach the kids and things like that. But here, it's not a thing. Like You don't have to teach a lesson. So being interviewed um, on Zoom, I think it was, in the toilet of our quarantine hotel because I couldn't find anywhere else that would be quiet enough. And what about a car and a house? Did you have all that sorted before you came over? No, we had nothing. Again, one of the reasons why I was going to move in the uh, March time was that I was going to have to sort sort all of that stuff out. I was going to have to find a house. I was going to have to find a car, essentially sort all our living situation out. But I said to my wife when we were going to have to go all together, I said, this is a good opportunity for all of us because now you'll be able to see the house that we end up renting. You seem to have done brilliantly. You seem to have really settled in quite quickly. So when you go shopping, are you still converting everything into pounds? Yeah, constantly. Even though I know now, like obviously how much I get paid and how much I can expect to spend in dollars every week or every month on food, I'm still thinking, oh, Five bucks for an avocado. Oh, that's expensive. That's, that's like £2.50. <laughs> I've been here 10 years and I'm still doing it. I don't think it ever goes away. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm slowly starting to get there now in the sense of I, I understand that like people in Australia seem like 20 bucks seem to think it's nothing. Whereas if I was to say like 20 quid in the UK, like mm, 20 quid's a decent chunk of money. Like I'm not going to just give that away too easily. I'm getting used to that concept now of, yeah, 10 bucks for this, nah, that's cheap. 20 bucks for that, yeah, that's not a bad price. That's also reasonably cheap. Whereas my wife sometimes, you know, she's still converting things over. She'll go, 20 bucks for that. And I'm like, mm, it's not actually that bad. Because she sometimes forgets that it's in dollars anyway, just thinks it's 20 quid. I know, it's like you just see the big numbers and you forget about the dollar side. You think you're paying in pounds. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to fight that initial, yeah. oh my God, it's so expensive, when actually, no, no, it's not. Is there anything that you found to be a lot more expensive over here? Anything that's shocked you? Mushrooms. I don't know why mushrooms are like 10 bucks a kilo. <laughs> I swear mushrooms are never over five pounds a kilo. It's like meat. 
you go to Aldi and mushrooms are 10 bucks a kilo and chicken <laughs> is like nine bucks a kilo. I'm like, how is a mushroom more expensive than a chicken? <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I feel sorry for vegetarians. Ross, when I first came to Australia, if I had had access to your YouTube videos, my visa application process would have been so much easier. You really do a good job of explaining it all. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's the whole point of us making it really is just to to give more of a, a visual insight as to what it's like. Help them to make that move, to inspire that move, to want to move to this country because it's, it's so beautiful. It's not for everyone, but I'd just love to be able to share this with more people. Ross has been documenting his new life in Australia and sharing his story on YouTube. You can check out his new five-bedroom gaff with a pool on That Johnston Life. We asked our Brit-Australian Facebook community group what brought them to Australia and the top three answers in order of the most votes were for a better opportunity for their children, for a better standard of living and, of course, for the sunshine and the beaches. You can join us on Facebook. Just search for Brit Australian, all one word, or you can follow us on Instagram at BritAustralian underscore podcast. And if you want to follow in Ross's footsteps or you're curious about whether it's even possible for you to be able to get a visa for Australia... Hop online and take the quick and free visa eligibility assessment at truebluemigration.com. That's www.truebluemigration.com. And you'll hear from a registered migration agent within a couple of days to discuss your options. I'd just like to say thank you to Abby, LJ in Sydney, Ryan, Minnie, Sleepy Stick, HVR, JJ, RJ, SDUDIN, <laughs> Pam, A Grounder, and Aussie Dreamer. Thank you for leaving a review for Brit Australian on Apple Podcasts.